0: Hasn't the coronavirus taught us how fast things can happen? I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a time when they closed the businesses in the United States. It's incredible. I I was just so fascinated with the things that I was seeing on television during coronavirus. Surely it has taught us something. I was born again in 1975. The first thing God taught me was get out of debt and stay out of debt. I am fortunate because I was raised in a family where there wasn't debt. In the 1940s and 50s, when I was a child, you didn't have credit cards. You paid cash or you didn't buy it. The way of the world changed in 1960. I know exactly when it was. I had moved to Dallas in 1960, and I was amazed by something in the Dallas Morning News. They said the time would come when we wouldn't use cash or money. We would use something called a credit card. It would be plastic and you would give it to the merchants and they would you would buy the item on this credit card i couldn't even picture it it was so foreign to us in 1960 we didn't know what it was a credit card can be wonderful if you do this we i have one or two i think i've got one pam has probably several but neither of us live in debt we do not charge more than we are able to pay when the bill comes in. And even then, I don't want to use all my money, So, or her, she doesn't either, and we just use a small amount and have money left over. That's the way of life we live by, and it's a godly way. In Romans chapter 12, we read, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God... That ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world. This world lives in debt. I've had people say to me, Oh, you can get more credit now. I don't want more credit now. I pay everything off. I bought a new car back in... uh, 1985, when I moved to Clovis, New Mexico, USA, and my contractor's son said to me, oh, now you're in debt too. I said, no, I'm not in debt. I paid cash for that car. Actually, in that situation, I had a 19, I think it was a 72 Oldsmobile, and a car ran into the side of me and did considerable damage to that Oldsmobile. I went at that time and looked at new cars, and I was shocked at how expensive they were. I think the Mercury that I looked at, the new one, was about $22,000 at the time, and my dad didn't pay more than five or 6000 for this 72 Oldsmobile. It had changed. I hadn't tried to buy a car after he bought that Oldsmobile for me. 22000 I think, is how much that car was in 1985 or 6. I didn't have $22,000 to put into a car. I took the car to an auto body shop and had them repair the car. My dad's half-brother's wife said, she was a Baptist, she's dead now, she said, oh, Joan wants to keep that car because her dad gave it to her. Well, she was totally wrong. I wanted to keep the car because I did not have $22,000 cash to buy a new car. So I had the old car repaired and I saved money. And at the time I had the cash, I bought the Mercury. That is the way God taught me to live. I further did not mortgage to buy houses. I think I understand why you might do that. But the things can change so rapidly. Didn't you see in coronavirus the stories about people who lost their jobs and had mortgages? I don't have a mortgage. Pam doesn't have a mortgage. I live with Pam Paget, another member of the body of Christ. Neither one of us live the way of the world. So Paul says in Romans twelve two, be not conformed to this world. If you live according to the way of the world and something strikes, you're going to go down with the world. So just don't live that way. Change your life immediately as of today. He says, be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. There is a scripture which says we can use the things of this world but not abuse them. So what happens if you have this huge debt and you die? Who pays it? Did they just cancel the debt? Probably, and the merchant loses money. How's that going to look at the judgment seat of Christ? We're going to be judged for what we do on this earth, whether good or bad. That is in... 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, yes. We will all appear at the judgment seat of Christ where we will receive for that which we have done in this body, whether good or bad. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I don't want to leave this earth owing people for debt. I don't want to die owing people for debt. I might not even be able to be taken off this earth if I have debt and have to cheat people. I might get to stay for part of the Great Tribulation. Probably not all of it because I'm 82 at the moment. So I will probably escape some of it. But I don't like the idea of Jesus returning for the church and me owing somebody something. Well, I just wouldn't do that. I wouldn't live that way. How about you? Think about these things. They're very important, not only for your peace of mind at the present time, but for going ahead if we, even if Jesus doesn't return in our lifetime, you'll live a better life if you live a debt free life. It will also save you from buying a bunch of stuff you don't need. One time my cleaning woman came to me. She was a Catholic woman. And she came to me and she said, she'd watch me for a while. She'd watch the way I lived, And she said, don't you ever have to keep up with the Joneses? And I said, no. You mean try to have something that somebody else has? That's covetousness. That can put you out of the church in Jesus' mind. Paul told us if any brother is covetous, don't even eat with him. Put him away from you. That instruction is in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. No, I don't have to keep up with the Joneses. I don't have to dress like somebody else dresses. Even if I had a job out in the world, I would not spend for clothing more money than I had and charge it. I wouldn't do that. That scripture on using the world but not abusing the world is in First. Corinthians chapter 7, verse 31. The first thing I do in considering whether or not to buy something is this. Does God approve this purchase? I never purchase anything unless I have the cash to pay for the item. And I would never believe it was God's will for me to do that so do i have god's approval one day i was driving down the street and i looked over beside me and their pickup truck was there with a truckload of firewood and i looked at it and as i looked i was thinking i really would like to have a wood-burning fireplace and i had this thought brought to my mind you can have that. And I thought, well, I guess I could. Now, what? where was that thought from? I believe it was from the Spirit of God. I could easily afford to have the fireplace people come and remove the gas logs and put in a fire starter and buy wood and change to wood burning, which I did the very next day because I believed I had the approval of God and I had excess money which easily allowed me to make that change. Another example, I had purchased a TV where I made a mistake. I didn't pray over the TV, and it turned out to be defective, and the dealer would not make the TV good, and it was expensive. Through the next few months, I would try to tune the TV with the tuner, but I really couldn't tune it. There were streaks up and down it. The dealer had said he would come over and calibrate it, but he didn't, and I knew he wouldn't. One day as I was trying to tune that new TV, I heard this as a form of a thought brought to my mind. You don't have to put up with this. I thought about it, and I said, that's right. I have enough money saved that I can go buy another TV and just have them carry this TV out of my house. Now, that's not the way the world would do it, but that's the way God would do it because he does not want me to be troubled every time I turn on the TV. And I had the money, the cash, that I could do that. I live below my means to pay. And I just let cash accumulate. I don't even have a job, a salary job. I stopped taking money from the ministry in a, approximately 2004 when I began to get Social Security checks, monthly checks of, at that time it was $500 a month, but it was sufficient for me to live on, on because the ministry owned the housing. And housing didn't cost me anything, and it certainly was enough money for me to live on. And even at $400 a month, I had money left over. Today, my Social Security check is $800 a month, and even then I have money left over. Because God has led me in ways of living that are just not those wild, extravagant, ways that I see people live in today I see people in our neighborhood young people who have three or four hundred thousand dollar houses I never even had a washer dryer until I was over forty five I had to use a coin laundry see I just didn't live that way I lived by the amount that I was able to afford to pay and that is how God taught me to live. At that time, I owned a business in Dallas, a small business, American Indian Arts business. I would go fly to Albuquerque, go out to the reservations to buy merchandise from the Indian artist, bring them back to my shop in Dallas. I didn't usually borrow money to do this. I used the money that I had accumulated from the sale of merchandise and it was right in the middle of this period that God caused me to be born again and I knew to get out of debt. A woman who was one of my customers had put $6,000 into my business wanting to be a part of the business. I let her for the $6,000 loan. I let her buy Merchandise at cost and then I would would pay her back when I could so I have a small loan of that nature she was to my knowledge an unbeliever I saw the scripture in 2nd Corinthians 6 be not unequally yoked with unbelievers I turned to God in prayer about this I said to God, I think Carolyn's an unbeliever. I don't want to be yoked to Carolyn. And I know you've told me to get out of debt. Please help me. I went to New Mexico on a buying trip. Mainly, I sold jewelry, sometimes pottery. I went into this place where I bought things. And there was an Indian rug rolled up. And I looked at it. I loved it. I really couldn't walk away from it. So even though I don't know anything at all about Indian rugs, I bought it for $500. I went down to Albuquerque, and I found a rug appraiser. Turned out she was thought to be the greatest rug appraiser living at that time. In Indian rugs Edna looked at it and she said "Joan, you've really lucked out on this rug she said "Uh, most of these old rugs are worthless but you've bought a really good rug she said when you go back to Dallas put this in your shop but don't price it where it'll sell overprice it considerably where it won't sell I had explained to Edna that I never overpriced things. I always gave my protected my customers. I gave them a fair price for the item. I put a fair price on the item. But in this case, she said, price it where it will not sell. So I got back to Dallas, and a man came in and looking at jewelry. He saw this rug rolled up and sitting over at the side of the room. And he said, what is that? And I said, oh, that's an old rug, an old Navajo rug. And he said, well, let me see it. And I said, oh, you wouldn't like that. And he said, well, let me see it. And I rolled it out for him, and he said, how much is it? And I said, $5,000, and he said, I'll take it. He pulled out his checkbook and started writing out a check, and I begged him not to take that rug. Cause I knew it was overpriced. It was a, it was at that time worth fifteen hundred dollars. Edna said, "Don't sell it because it will eventually be worth more money." So I knew I had overpriced it, but he insisted on buying it. He wrote out a check for five thousand dollars. I said, "Well, here's what I'm going to do. I'm not going to cash your check for one week. If for any reason you decide you don't want that rug," You bring it back, and I will hand you your check back. I never saw him again. I cashed the check or deposited the check and paid my debt to Carolyn and got free from debt, and I've never been in debt since that day. God has a way to get us where we need to be if we want to follow the Word of God. I didn't want to be yoke, unequally yoked to an unbeliever. I didn't want to live in death after I heard to get out of death. God has a way. So what I recommend to you is James one five. If any of you lack wisdom on how to do something, let him ask of God, who giveth to all liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. But I don't see how you can continue to live as this world lives concerning money. I just don't see it. Here's one more example. I consider this to be a miracle of God. In March 2020, God led me by giving me a concept. The Holy Spirit carried this concept to me. If you have take that old sound equipment and sell it and do it now. It was the height of the coronavirus. Who's going to be buying sound equipment? Well, we listed it on Audiogon. We took in $13,000 worth of money on the old sound equipment that we weren't using. I put it we put it in a checking account and I bought a one sound Preamp amp uh, lexicon, costs 4000 And we let the rest of it just sit there in the bank. When we bought a new car, I, I'm, I mean the sound I thought was terrible on the radio that was in the new car. I usually take my cars to a sound business and have the sound equipment replaced. I used to be an orchestra director. And I have very, very good hearing for sound. So, immediately, we were taking the car to have a sound specialist tell us what we should do on that car. I had plenty of money and savings that I could pay for what he recommended. I knew I did. We got over there, and he evaluated the car, and I told him I wanted soundproofing in the car on the floor, in the doors, wherever you could put soundproofing. I wanted it packed with soundproofing, which blocks out road noise. I knew I wanted a nice amplifier. He wanted me to have a subwoofer. I've never been really crazy about subwoofers, but I do know they can enhance the sound if you get the right one. So he recommended a new subwoofer and new speakers. Well, I knew it would need new speakers. It would end up costing, I think it was about $8,000 for all that I wanted to do to it. Pam had the idea, well, we've got over $9,000 in the bank of all that money that we took in from our old sound equipment that we sold on Audiogon. So we have plenty of money to pay without my going into my savings account. And that's exactly what we arranged to do. But you see, all of this is one step at a time, one step at a time. It is enough. Take that step that's brought to you by God. Do it. I did this in uh, March on putting the sound equipment up for sale because that's what I was shown to do. I didn't know we were going to be buying a car. I didn't know we were going to be putting sound equipment in a car. I didn't know we were going to do any of this. I just followed what I heard from God. Then when the time came that there was a place to use the money, I used it. This is the way I know that God leads us. I know he does. If you have faith to follow him, if you don't have faith to follow him, and if you can't hear from him, you're most likely not even a Christian. You probably think you are and aren't. Because if you belong to God, he is going to be speaking to you. Let's just look at what the Holy Spirit does. John chapter 14, verse 26. The Holy Spirit teaches us all things. All things, secular And spiritual. And he reminds us of everything Jesus has said to us. Bringing scripture to our mind. So that we can go in the way of God. In the specific situations of this present life. In John chapter 14 verse 26. It says the Holy Spirit will guide you into all truth. And show you things to come. You have an absolute guarantee. God will give you wisdom if you belong to God. But if you can't hear from God, if he's not leading you, if you're not following scriptures, if if you're not being given scriptures by the Spirit of God, you probably don't even belong to God. You're probably not born again. You probably went forward at a church and were baptized in water and think you're a Christian. I did that when I was 15. I wasn't a Christian I went for, forward at church, was baptized in water because I didn't want to go to hell. But I didn't have the Spirit of God until I was 37. Then I was rebaptized. See, you have to have the Spirit of God. You have to hear from God. You have to follow scriptures. Those are the things that show yourself and us that you are a Christian. Do you believe I'm a Christian? Well, don't I present evidence of following God? Romans chapter 8. Eight, verse 14 as many as are led by the Spirit of God they are the sons of God do you have any evidence that I'm led by the Spirit of God well I think so I certainly have plenty of evidence that I'm following the Spirit of God what are you doing if you aren't hearing from God you can't follow the Spirit of God until you hear from God You can't have faith until you hear what to do. And then you have faith to do it. So if you just joined a church and went forward and were baptized and you don't hear from God, you're not a Christian. You're just not a Christian. You might want to settle that first. But if you are a Christian and you hear from the Spirit of God, In the ways that I have described to you. Follow them. You must have faith to follow them. Keep them before you day and night. And that enables you to follow them. All of the things that I've spoken today, or almost all of them, will be written on our blog for you to see it in writing. Go to Jesus Ministries Exhortations. On the right hand side of the home page is podcast. Pull up the podcast. Again, the blog name is Jesus Ministries Exhortations. Thank you for allowing me to speak to you today.